The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I send it. Welcome to another program with Truths to Live By, a ministry of Harriman Baptist Tabernacle in Harriman, Tennessee. You're listening to Brother Benjamin Cooley. I pray we would be a blessing to you today. With our Bibles open today to 1 Corinthians chapter number 11, find verse 14 and we'll begin our reading thereafter a word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, Lord, I come now in Jesus' precious name, even that name which is above every name. Help me to preach in your power and for your glory and honor. I pray you would use the scriptures today to edify the souls of all who listen and draw the sinner to yourself. Lord, help us to remember the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember the price that he paid, the death that he died. Lord, the blood that he shed for sins which were not his own, but were mine and theirs and all of the world's. Thank you for Calvary. Use your word, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 14. Doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him? That's one of those rhetorical questions, I believe it should be called. The answer is obvious. Yes, it is a shame unto him. But if a woman have long hair, It is a glory to her, for her hair is given her for a covering. But if any man seem to be contentious, we have no such custom, neither the churches of God. Now we've been looking at the matter of headship and the biblical order, how it descends from God the Father to Christ the Son to the man to the woman. It should be observed in both the church and the home. We said that authority has been divinely ordered, should be diligently observed by man because it was ordered by God. We should observe it in respect to the church, 
and in respect to the covering, which I believe is dealing with the hair, not a headpiece, uh, to which some give such distinction. And the headpiece, I'm not saying is wrong. I do believe it would be a matter, therefore, of liberty. Uh, but some attach such significance that they almost make an idol out of a head piece. So in respect to the covering, observe the order of headship, that the woman is to be in submission to the man. Then we said in respect to creation, there is the creation of man and woman. The woman is from the man, verse 8. The woman is for the man, verses 9 and 10. But not only the creation of man and woman, but the completion of man and woman. Verse 11, God is behind it all. Equality or dependence or the need for each other, it is in the Lord. And then verse 12, God is before it all. He says, but all things of God. And so that personal word, that pastoral word, now turns into a practical word from the preacher. And we back up and get verse 13 now. Judge in yourselves. Is it comely that a woman pray unto God uncovered? Paul is saying, why don't we have the right discernment in this matter? Verse 13. Consider the teaching of nature when it comes to the covering, when it comes to the hair the right discernment, judge in yourselves. How we need discernment in these days. But then also the right difference in this matter. Verse 14, doth not even nature itself teach you? Yes, it does. And it shows the disgrace of long hair on men. It's unnatural. Verse 15, rather, we see the dignity of long hair on women. Nothing is more beautiful than long hair on a woman. But nothing, I believe, is less beautiful and more ugly than shorn hair on a woman. And I do not say that to be mean or to be ugly. And I am certainly not speaking of those whose hair begins to fall out, or who have had chemotherapy or radiation, and therefore their hair comes out as they need medicine and treatments to fight cancer. Please do not uh, misjudge me here. But the teaching of nature, all down through the time of man on the earth, men have worn their hair short, women have worn their hair long, when they're in their proper role and giving their proper respect one to the other. But in this practical word, Paul says, not only should they consider the teaching of nature, but we read verse 16 earlier, and they should consider the testimony of the churches. When it comes to contentions and when it comes to customs, Paul said, if you have contention about this matter, of the long hair on men and the short hair on women. He says, we have no such custom. There is no custom 
for disorderly saints with long hair on men and short hair on women. Paul said, consider the testimony of the churches of God. There is no custom for the men to wear their hair long, for the women to wear their hair short. It is a matter of nature. Do not be confused about it. And now, as Paul penned this down under the guiding inspiration of the Holy Spirit, it is not only a matter of nature, it is also, and now forever, a matter of Scripture. Therefore, do not be contentious about it. The churches of God do all testify to God's proper authority and the proper order of that authority and the proper distinction of the sexes, and they outwardly display it when the men wear their hair short and the women wear their hair long. In the beginning, God placed a difference between male and female. It's been reflected throughout society. It was in Paul's day, among the Romans, among the Greeks, among the Jews. They all wore their hair if they were right in the natural sense, according to what Paul was teaching here. It's obvious from nature. It's obvious from culture. Men wore their hair short. Women wore their hair long. Now we move from proper authority in the church, and it must be so if the church body is to be under the government of God, to now we look at proper acknowledgement in the church. Notice verse 17. Now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not, that ye come together not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. For there must be also heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. When ye come together, therefore into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's supper. For in eating every one taketh before other his own supper, and one is hungry, and another is drunken. What? Have ye not houses to eat and to drink in? Or despise ye the church of God, and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. So here's why I say there must be proper acknowledgement in the church. Notice what he said again in verse 22. Or despise ye the church of God. In other words, the saints there in the church of God at Corinth, they were despising the church of God, disesteeming it, actually having thoughts against others in the body and the order of God in the church, the government of God in the church. And Paul says in verse 17, I cannot praise you. And then he goes on to say, I cannot permit you to come together, for you're not coming together for the better, but for the worse. You're gathering together. If you continue in this manner, there is no spiritual profit. There's no growth in grace. There's no growth in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ as you assemble together if you continue in this way. And so Paul is reproving them. 
He's not praising them. He cannot let this go unchecked and unsaid. God gave him a message. He would reveal their sin, call for their repentance, and acknowledgement. And thus the manner of the assembly is reproved, and then it is revealed. Verse 18, they were divided. Verse 19, they, there was heresies here, heresies there. In other words, they were decided. I'm over here, you're over there. Their divisions led to decisions. There was heresies, there was sects, S-E-C-T-S, sectarianism within the church. And then they were distracted when they came together. Verses 20 and 21, they were not there to worship Christ. They were not there for the true manner and motive of the Lord's Supper. They had spots in their feast of charity. Their motives were wrong. Their manners were wrong. And thus he rebukes the manner of the assembly, verse 22. And I'll close with this. God's man at times must look the congregation of God's people in the eye, charge them with their sin, and charge them with their shame. Reprove them, rebuke them, and call for their sincere repentance that they might again have the blessings of God. Brethren, let us be faithful to do this when God calls on us to do so. We thank you for making this ministry a part of your day. And in closing, we want to point you to the words of our Lord in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4. He answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And truly, it is written. God's word, every word, presents us with truths to live by. You've been listening to Brother Benjamin Cooley. Please send all correspondence to Truths to Live By, P.O. Box 575, Harriman, Tennessee, 37748. Or you can email us at bmarkcooley at gmail.com. And finally, brethren, pray for us.